Welcome to the Bridge Podcast. I'm grateful you're here listening. Um, I just want to let my gratitude sink in for you. I appreciate you. And yeah, I just wanted to let you know that. Today is a special episode. We have um, Jacob Kelly here with us. And I know um, he's going to offer a lot of wisdom and insight with his story and what he's done. So Jacob, thank you for being here. And do you want to introduce yourself? Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. I hope I can live up to those, to your expectations. Um, but yeah, in terms of like an introduction, I have my own podcast for four years called My Social Life. I recently finished that. I'm currently working on doing some hosting stuff for the company Creator Now. Uh, I also am head of social media for a tech company here in Toronto called Surf. Um, other than that, in my spare time, I watch a little bit of proper football soccer. I do some writing and I try and try to do a little more creative on the side lately, but that's a little a little bit about me right now. I love it. Yeah, I listened to some of your podcast, um, My Social Life, and you mentioned how you started it four years ago. Um, do you want to take me through like what made you want to get into the podcasting space? Because that was way before, you know, now everybody and their mom has a podcast, you know, what made you want to get into it? Yeah, so I'd been listening to a few podcasts at the time. Like I think back then it was like Tim Ferriss, How I Built This, some Gary Vee. Um, and I was doing some vlogging on, on my own. I was doing some YouTube vlogs. I was also watching a lot of vloggers at the time, you know, obviously Casey Neistat, that was like peak, not peak vlogging time, but around his peak, um, fun for Louie. I was watching a lot, Ben Brown, these guys called high on life. So I was watching a lot of different vloggers, a lot of travel vloggers. Um, and I was like, well, maybe I should start doing my own vlog. So I started vlogging a little bit. Actually, this was probably around the time she, like, I was watching Peter McKinnon and Chris Howe. And, and so I started my own YouTube channel. I was like, well, I want to learn how to grow. I think the best idea is like, I should just I was like, and then I was like, I kind of want to start a podcast too. And I was like, well, what if I started a podcast and I interviewed people that had grown on social media so I could learn how to do it mm. myself. Mm. And so I, that was the original impetus for starting the podcast was like, let me just learn how to do this from those that have done it. And then I very quickly realized that I was better at podcasting than blogging. I started getting more like anecdotal feedback, like people making like, oh, I liked this episode or I got more feedback, positive feedback on the podcast. I enjoyed doing it. I thought I was decent at it. And so I just kept going with it. I did it every single. So for the first six episodes, it was every two weeks. I missed between episode three and four because I moved. So it was three weeks. But then once I hit episode seven, I went weekly and I didn't miss weekly from seven to 200. Mm. I love that. And I think, so I started this podcast three years ago and kind of the, the same thing that you experienced, like I was looking for those answers like of these successful people, like how they got to where they were and like what advice they would give basically. And as a 17 year old, like starting that, um, I just wanted to learn. And uh, after doing so many episodes, whatever, I kind of realized that this is kind of like my form of school and like educating myself is mm -hmm. through people's stories. And um, I've always loved it. Like this never feels like work to me. I love meeting with people. I'm sure you can relate and connecting with them. Um, but yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, man. No, it's definitely, I mean, I, I do a lot of work. Like I think when I was doing my show, I was averaging probably like 20 hours per week per episode, just mm -hmm. on like prep time and interviewing. And I did all my editing and social clips. And I was spending a lot of time on my show. Like every single week was like a part-time job for me at, at mm. for most of those four years. What was one of the biggest lessons you learned from yourself over the four years, but then also from someone else? I think the biggest lesson I learned for myself is I'm capable of being consistent. 
Like, I think that like, sometimes I, I mean, granted, I think part of it was momentum, like building momentum is part of that lesson and being consistent is like the reason I did 200 episodes and four years, the reason I did four years straight without missing an upload was because I had built the momentum of Mm. doing a bunch of episodes. If I've done two years in a row, I don't want to miss a week and then ruin that streak. Yeah. Right. And so I was determined to get a new episode out every single, it was Monday for the first three years. And then Tuesdays I changed the upload day of the week. Um, but it was, I was determined to get that episode up every single week. Um, and I just think I learned for myself that I'm capable of doing that. And, you know, cause I feel like the thing with a lot of creators that they struggle with is the consistency aspect. And mm. I just refused to let that be an issue. And I buckled down and I didn't make excuses. And if I was going away for two weeks, I would record four episodes in a couple, I would do like whatever I had to do to make it work and yeah. get those episodes out there. And so that's what I learned for myself. And what I learned from other people, it's tough to distill that down to one thing, really. Yeah. I think for me, one of the things that I often come back to is that people are just people, you know, mm-hmm. like as the show went on, I started landing interviews with like some pretty interesting people. And like my family would kind of be like, that's crazy. And they'd, they'd freak out more than I would. They'd be confused as to why I wouldn't. Like I interviewed Joe Sanagato, who was like mm-hmm. a YouTuber. He's one of my favorite YouTubers growing up. Yeah. Um, and my family all loves him. And I landed that interview with him. And I was like, yeah, I'm pretty excited. And my whole family's went crazy. And they're like, you need to be more excited. And I was like, I am. But like, it's just another dude at the end of the day. And it mm. also was important to me to come across as a peer, not a fan. Because I think that very much changes the dynamic of how the interview is going to go. And so for me, I just realized at the end of the day, people are just people. And so that was a big takeaway for me as I, over the, over the 200. Mm. I totally relate with that. And I think when I first started the podcast, um, I always thought like, all right, it's the next interview, right? Who's the next person, like the big person. And then like, once that happens, I'll quote unquote, like make it or whatever that means, you know? And mm. I started to realize that just like you had, like, it's just a person, but also um, it was the conversation and the journey where that conversation took us, where I learned so much. Like, it didn't really matter, like whether the podcast, the stats were like off the chart, you know, but rather it was that, that conversation connecting with that person. Mm -hmm. 100% right that's what it is like and it's because of my podcast now that I'm in a position with creator now right like I did an interview Mm -hmm. with Zach Conover who's the co-founder of creator now that led to him reaching out to me and asked me if I do hosting for them and so it's like that's relationship based and I got to interview Zach Conover because I interviewed someone else who introduced me to Zach and the guy that introduced me to Zach was introduced to me by somebody else right and so like a lot of people don't think about that when it comes to podcasting I think if you want to start a podcast you need to have that conversation with yourself like what is the goal of this show is the goal Mm -hmm. to just become a huge podcast is the goal to meet people is the goal to drive business for your company, right? Like a lot of people don't realize like a cold DM, I'd never answer a cold email. Like mm-hmm. almost never will I answer a cold email. But if those people that had cold emailed me had reached out and asked me to come on like their company's podcast, I'm probably gonna do that every single time. Yeah. And now I'm a warm lead and not a cold lead. It's like, you have to figure out what exactly like the goal of your podcast is and relationships is a great one that a lot of people probably started to think about it more, but definitely when I started, like wasn't something people were thinking about at all. Yeah. I'm curious what, so like when you're talking about your opportunity with, creator now and kind of that alignment right like you were in the podcasting space and then it was time for you to step into something new and that opportunity showed up because of what you did with um my social life i'm curious what did your your childhood look like what were you in like school like who were you all those things 
Yeah. So my childhood was interesting. So like I lived in Manitoba. We were talking about this a little bit before. So I lived in Manitoba, which for people in the States is just above North Dakota. So it's about three hour drive from uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota is where I lived in Manitoba. Um, so I, I lived in Ottawa until I was nine, moved out there when I was, when I was nine till 18, but my mom and dad were divorced. So my mom stayed in Ottawa. My dad stayed in Manitoba. So I spent, uh, two months a year in Ottawa. So that's either eight weeks over the summer or six weeks over the summer and two weeks at Christmas. And it like rotated every year. It was different. Um, so that was my childhood. And then I think, yeah, I was, I liked sports a lot growing up. That was big for me. You know, I did a little bit of everything cross country. I was a good runner in middle school and kind of tapered off into high school, but did cross country running track and field volleyball basketball badminton soccer um a little bit a little bit of hockey not really um mm. but a little bit of everything and i was very much i'd be very involved in high school that was like high school was like i love high school I look back on it very fondly um mm-hmm. don't look back on it as the peak but definitely just a very fond period of my life i'm a very nostalgic person um yeah. and so high school is great i had a good group of friends you know i grew up in a small town it was like fifteen thousand people and Got so it. it was like it wasn't a city. It wasn't like 300 people in a town. So there's like no one in high school. Like our high school was like 1200 kids. So it was a decent sized school. You know, I had a really good group of friends. I, like I said, I tried to be involved. I was in like this, the, um, the peer helpers, which was like the student support group type thing. I was on the basketball team. I was on the volleyball team all four years. Um, I was student council president my last year. I was just very involved. And it's like, that was my, my high school experience. And I didn't really know where I was going or what was going to happen. Like I didn't really have that figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, I just always assume I was going to become famous some way, somehow with no real plan. Yeah. Um, I just thought that I was special, not special. That sounds bad, but I just feel like my family was very good. At, I blame my Nana for building up my ego too high as a kid. Cause like <laughs> I could do anything and she would spend like 10 minutes just talking about how amazing like, it was. And so like, I blame her for like this weird self-confidence that I had as a kid, where I just assumed I was going to be famous at some point because like everything I do is great. According to my Nana. Yeah. Um, but, but no, I, uh, I ended up just going to school after that. And then I moved back to Ottawa to go to college, but yeah, it was just a good, a, a good childhood. You know, I look back on it fondly. Um, I mean, obviously with the divorce family, like there's always going to be shit that you go through, mm-hmm. but like, yeah. I don't dwell. I don't look back. I just look back and I, I enjoyed my, my childhood. I enjoyed growing up. I was talking to a couple of friends actually over the last week from high school, but you know, I haven't talked to them for probably six months to a year and it was just good, like picking up right where we left off. So I look back on it very fondly. Absolutely. Do you see um, like the the work you do now, or maybe your how you balance your life? Do you see that correlating back to like when you were playing sports or when you were in high school, like juggling all these things? Maybe a little bit, but not like a crazy correlation. Like mm-hmm. I, I mean, yeah, I was busy. Like my last year of high school was a lot. Like I also had a full, I'm not a full time job, but I had a, I was a server in my last two years of high school. So like I was working like. I think it was like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, like Friday, five to midnight, Saturday, 12 to eight, Sunday, 12 to eight, plus sports Monday through Thursday with two practices and two games plus doing yeah. stuff. Like there was a lot there. It was very packed and very busy. Um, but I haven't ever really made like a strong connection between doing that and where I am now. Like I wasn't as involved, like college to me was like a nice reprieve. Like I was mm. like, they build up college to me when I'm in high school like it was built up like it's going to be so busy and it's going to be so hard you're going to have so much work and to me I got there and I was like I'm just doing three four classes a day yeah like it was almost like a I could take a deep breath you know what I mean Mm. like it wasn't I was busier and felt more stressed in high school than I was in college Mm. um and so for me and it wasn't like I think I had more time in high school or college but then 
yeah, I think I do have similar ish schedules or I did for a while in terms of high school to when I first started working. Um, but I don't see like a clear connection of like, because I was busy, then I feel like I have to be busy now. If that mm. makes sense. Yeah. Um, when you had your extra free time in college, what did you do? Nothing really. Like, I mean, I met my girlfriend and and my second year of college. So we just started hanging out a lot that year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, and I'm still with her today. So it's been like five, five years now, I think, which mm. is just six years, six years, been living together five or six years. But yeah, it's like, I met her. So we started hanging out a lot. I had a good group of friends. I did a couple extracurriculars. Like I was in like a case competition. So that took up some of my time. Um, I worked as well. Like I was a server for a little bit. I did one of those like student business things where it's like window cleaning and stuff. Yeah. That was a horrendous experience. Um, <laughs> but I did that my first year and I just did two years of college. So I wasn't there for mm-hmm. very long. Um, I was, it was like a equivalent of a community college. I was two years. I don't have a degree. I just got a marketing diploma. Um, but yeah, nothing too crazy. I just hung out, played some video games, nothing, nothing too crazy in my, my spare time then. Got it. And then you, what happened after those two years, did you transition into the podcast, like my social life or how did the no. timeline work? I think my social life, my social life came a year later, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I finished, I was going to go back and do a post-grad and I was going to do interactive multimedia management. So like learning photography, videography, Photoshop, websites, all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, I could probably teach myself that. Cause yeah. I looked at it and like my school, I'm lucky I was able to come out of school completely debt-free. Yeah. Um, my dad paid for, I believe a semester of my school, maybe two, but even had he not, like I'd saved up cause I was lucky enough to be a server at 16, 17. Yeah. I just saved up all my paychecks. So I just lived mm. off tips. And so I had enough to cover both years of my schooling. Cause my school was only like, I think it was like five grand a year. Like, cause I went oh, to a wow. community college Yeah, it was super cheap. And so like, and relatively it was super cheap. Right. So yeah, five grand a year. And so I came out debt-free and I was like, I looked, I, I go to enroll in this post-grad and they're like, yeah, it's going to be like 13 grand for the year. And basically they took a two-year program, put it into one year. So like, you will not have time to have a job. Like you have to commit this program. I was like, I didn't want to go into debt for that. Yeah. I was like, I can't work a job. It's going to be 13 grand. So I was like, I can probably teach myself a lot of this stuff on my own. Mm-hmm. And so I reached out to my program coordinator from the marketing company or from the marketing, not company, from the marketing program. And I was like, Hey, I decided, cause there was like the case competition. There was going to be a way where I could do it again. This, that when I came back, and I was yeah. like, Hey, just want to let you know, I'm actually decided not to proceed with this postgraduate, um, for this, th- for all these reasons. If you know anybody in the marketing industry, that's looking for someone that's recently graduated, mm. let me know because I'm just looking. Mm. And I think it was that exact same day, a different alumni from like probably five years, six years before I graduated had reached out and was like, hey, my client, OSEG, which is the Ottawa Sports Entertainment Group, which is a sports ownership company that owns three different teams, gotcha. is looking for somebody for their marketing department that's recently graduated. Do you know anybody? Mm. And my program coordinator was just like, I do. And then he gave he referred me. I did three or four interviews and got the job. And then I worked in sports for three years. Um, and then it was there where I started my podcast and stuff like that. Mm. That's awesome. What were you doing with that company in like sports? Yeah. So social media coordinator mm. so first two years, I focused on the Ottawa 67s, which is a junior hockey team. So it's like major junior. So a lot of those guys that go in the first round come out of major junior. Mm. Um, and so I worked there for, I did two years focused on the 67s and the second year they were like, uh, 
record setting team from the franchise, like most points, they went 14 and 0 to start the playoffs. I was traveling with them in the playoffs. It was a really cool experience. And then after that, I was going to leave and try and start my own marketing agency. But then yeah. I got offered the role of the social media manager for the auto red blacks, which is like the big, like it's the CFL team. So it's like the gotcha. biggest brand that they own. And I was like, well, that'd be cool to have just to say I did that for a year. So mm-hmm. I pushed off my marketing agency until the new year and the hockey season ended and the hockey season was a lot of work. And yeah. I was exhausted and I had like a couple days and then I just stepped right into football and did a whole football season, the off season and then COVID hit and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so that's what I did following college was I worked in sports for a few years while doing the oh, podcast. I love it. Yeah. I think it's cool how things, ex- the things that are supposed to happen, happen, you know, how you emailed that person the same day mm. that they needed, they get, like email them to get someone in contact with. Yeah, it's crazy. Just very serendipitous. Mm. After, so you start your, you ended up starting your own agency, right? Or no? I did, yeah. Yeah. And then um, COVID hits, what then? So the agent, I started the agency right before COVID hit. So I was working full time and I started the agency on the side. I landed a client. I registered my business December 31st, 2019. Cause I was like 2020, I'm taking this full time. That's my goal. Yeah. And then I got my first client in January. I was actually talking to them before I even registered the business. It was like through a good friend of mine named Hayden. He referred them. It was this agency out of New York. I was white labeling for another agency. Um, and then in February, I landed my next client, which is actually where I work full time today. Um, I landed my second client and then COVID hits in like March, which was actually like a blessing in disguise for me with running the agency because trying to get an agency off the ground while working full time was tough. Like I can remember. Yeah. I had to take a call, an, an agency call in the middle of the day on like a Tuesday or something at work. And yeah. I was like, how do I, where do I go to do this? Cause I can't just be at my desk. Cause I wasn't telling anybody I'm starting this agency. Yeah, I didn't want yeah, them yeah. To know. And so I had to like, I went out of my office, which was on one side of the stands. And I went across the field to the other side of the stands, which had no, it was in the middle of winter. So it was really cold and they turn all the heat off because no one's up there. So I was yeah, up in yeah. the press box doing this call in the cold with like a toque and a jacket on like a toque being like a toque. What is that? A beanie? Like a, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was wearing like a beanie and a jacket. And I was doing this call in the cold and I was like, and, but then COVID hits, I'm at home mm-hmm. I'm working from home now. So I'm like taking calls and like, no one's the wiser. Right. And I, that didn't like my performance didn't drop or anything like that. Uh, but it just gave me more flexibility in terms of when I worked and when I did agency stuff and things like that. And then I think it was by, like May, I realized I was like, I couldn't do both. I was at a point where it was like, I'm making just a little bit more with my agency than I am with working and sports teams. So I handed my two weeks and by June. So I wanted to be full-time by the end of the year. I was full-time by June. Um, And yeah, I did that for full-time for just over a year. And then I realized I didn't like the agency model. It just wasn't for me. Yeah. And I had that conversation of like, I could keep doing this, but I'm not really happy. But like, I like saying that I have my own business, but like, really like, why does that matter? And ended mm. up calling up one of my clients, which was named Truefin at the time, which is now Surf. And they were going to do a lot of stuff with influencer marketing. They were planning to start doing that. And I looked at the team. I was like, there's no one there that can take on the amount of stuff they want to do for influencers. So I called up the CEO. I was like, hey man, like, would you be interested in me coming full-time to run the influencer marketing? And he was like, absolutely yeah. no problem. And I was mm. like, cool. So I joined them in September. Um, and 
yeah, I've been there September of 2021. So I've been there for just over a year full time, but I've been working with them since for almost three years now, since February of 2020. Mm. I love how you talked about kind of like the happiness thing of like, all right, like I know I can do this. I can make the money. Like I enjoy saying that I'm my own boss, but also mm. you're like, I know that this isn't the right thing for me to do at the time. Yeah. The, the worst month for me in terms of happiness with the agency was that it was when I forex what my income was when I was working full-time mm. as my least, I was like miserable. Cause but I on just like on paper, it looked like you were doing great, right? On paper, I was doing great. I was for, I said I forex my income, but I was so busy because I was just focused on that number figure, that money figure that I was like, I was like, so I just kept taking on more than I could handle. And like, I had to have after that month, I think it was like July. So this was like two months after I left full time, I forexed. I had to like call a client that wanted to renew and be like, I can't renew. And that was, yeah. a, I, was like, I had to like, like, like I said, like fire a client. And that was a difficult thing for me to do. Cause I was like, mm. they're a nice person. Like I also, part of it was like, I just signed a really bad contract. And so once it was up, for renewal, I was like, I'm not renewing one because I just signed a bad contract, but two, I just don't have time. So that was a difficult conversation to have. Um, and yeah, and then I just kind of let it bleed down a little bit. I like wasn't because I just I had a huge, a decent roster. And I was like, I don't need to add anybody. So I just kind of let it bleed down. And I realized like I didn't want to have to fill it again. Like, as like, you know, like clients come and go. And I was like, I just didn't enjoy that I, I didn't have one boss. I had like seven bosses, you know what I mean? And so like, it just wasn't for me. I didn't enjoy it, but I have some buddies who love it. Like one of my couple of my friends have agencies and they're absolutely crushing. And so it's just like, mm. for me, how I'm wired just wasn't for me. Um, but yeah. Mm. I think it's interesting how we see, like, especially here, um, all around, like our college and universities is like 97% of our students are like, have a job post-grad, you know, or Mm. they put these statistics up there, but nothing ever mentions anything about like happiness or like Mm. 97% of our students wake up and they want to like, you know, they feel empowered to do what they do. Um, And I think it's interesting how society has looked at, you know, the having the job or like the money as the the key thing. Mm. No, absolutely. Right. Like I, like I have family members who like the be all end all is to work in government, to have a steady income, a pension, like that's great. But like, if that was me, I'd be miserable, you know? Mm. And so it's just all about like, it depends on who you are and what you want. Right. Yeah. So how did you, how did you balance that? Like, did you have any outside noise from people in your circle and your family or friends telling you like, Hey, you can't do this? No, I have a very supportive family when it comes to stuff, like most things very, very supportive. Mm. So that's never something I'm blessed to not have to really worry about that. Mm. And then to kind of go off that question, question, like what does your inner circle look like? Is it people who are in the creative space like you are, or are they in different spaces? I'm pretty much in similar places to me. Like I don't have a very big circle if I'm being completely honest, especially being in Toronto now. Like I don't see many people right now. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I'm in a new city. I'm still like connecting with people making friends and stuff, but like, in terms of like the inner, inner circle right now, like it's tough, right? Cause I feel like I have different circles for different things. Right. Yeah. Like if I have like a personal problem, I'm going to a completely different circle than if, if I want to talk about the creator economy. Right. right. And so I have a, so I, I just have a bunch of different circle, like segmented circles essentially. So it's not just one circle for one thing. I have like different friends for different things. And like through doing the podcast, like a lot of my friends are online. 
Yeah. Right. Like I've met a lot of people. Luckily I've been to LA a few times in the last couple of months. So I've had the chance to connect with some people in person. Um, but yeah, so circles, there's not one actual circle right now, if that makes sense. Mm. I thought about that. It's funny. You mentioned like a lot of my friends are online. Um, I thought about that the other day and I go, damn, like if it wasn't for like the internet and stuff, like I probably, well, I'd still have like friends and stuff, but the people I've connected with the podcasts are like, people mm-hmm. who I really care for and like go for, for a lot of things. Totally. And I think there's like a fine line to walk here though. Right. Where it's like having internet friends is cool and you can expand who you can hang out with. But I'm also realizing like that in-person connection is just something different oh, yeah. that you need. Right. Like, and so that's something I need to prioritize that I haven't done a very good job of, you know, mm-hmm. especially like even coming out of COVID because there were still like anxieties around like, cause I saw when I lived in Ottawa, I saw my grandparents every weekend. And so for me, it was like, I don't want to get them sick. So yes. I'm not going to see anybody at all because mm. I'm seeing them every week. Cause like, if I get them sick, like I'm never going to live that down. Right. right? Yep. And that was a big anxiety for me for a while and still is to some, in some sense, like, and so I was, I didn't really see anybody for a while. Like it was all phone calls and stuff. And I just kind of fell in and even like post COVID, like falling into that kind of as like a rut of like, I'll just, yeah, just call me like, yeah, we'll jump on a zoom call, but yeah. like really needing to like, make an effort to get back not get back out there but like just see people in person again you know have people over like you know so i'm really making it i like trying to like connect with somebody for coffee and stuff more frequently because mm-hmm. i kind of fell into a rut there during COVID because of and then it became like oh but now like i'd have to like i'm gonna go meet a buddy for coffee next week and it's like well now i have to like he lives 45 minutes away if i so i gotta get there and go for coffee yeah. and come back it's like we could just call and be so much quicker more convenient <laughs> but like but again it's like that in-person thing really matters yeah yeah, you can definitely tell the spark and fire in someone through mm. in-person convening. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious. So you go so through pandemic and stuff, and now you're transitioning to working for Creator Now. And mm. are you already working for them or is it like Yeah, so we've been working. So I met up with Zach. I was coincidentally in Toronto visiting somebody when Zach was in Toronto, back in Toronto visiting family. And so we were able mm. to meet up in March. And that's when like, he kind of sent me a message in February, we met up in March, uh, kind of talked through it. He's like, come up with some concepts. I came up with some different concepts for the show, sent it over to him. Um, and then really kind of since April, we've been working on it. And so um, I was out there in June recording episodes. I was out there in September recording episodes. Um, so I've really been working on stuff with them since really March was when the ball started rolling. Yeah. And then Creator Now is based in LA, right? Correct. Yeah. Are you going to head over there and live there or no? I have no intention of. I absolutely love Toronto. Like uh-huh. I love Toronto. Um, and if given the option between the two, I would pick Toronto. You know, mm-hmm. like I love it. And I don't have a car, which is another thing. And you can't live in LA if you don't have a car. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I also have to like, then I, and I don't live in the States. So I have to go through the immigration process, like all this stuff that like, it just doesn't seem appealing to me to move to LA at this point in my life that could change. Uh, But as of right now, I just, I love Toronto and I want to, I want to be spend more time here. I've been like, I have, I've only spent four weeks consecutive in the city since I moved here. So Mm -hmm. one time since I moved here back at the end of June, like I was went on a vacation with my mom and then I was back in Ottawa for a wedding. And then I was in LA recording. And then I had was back in Ottawa again recently. And it's like, I just want to spend some time in this city, you know? Mm. So I, I'm just loving Toronto. Got it. I love it. What, what is the, 
the major thing that brought you into work for Creator Now? And how did that kind of like, how did you shift from like, all right, like I did my podcast and stuff, like this is the next step for me? Yeah. I mean, at the time, like it was just a lot of things that made sense to me. Like it's a similar show, right? Like my podcast was interviewing people on social media. That's what the new thing I'm working on with Creator Now is. They have a much deeper Rolodex and connections I don't have. Mm. So it's like the quality of guests is just going to improve. Um, they I originally we were pivoting our our intention on how we want to do the show. It's changed since the beginning, but originally they were like, we're gonna do it all in person. Yeah. And so they were flying me out to LA, putting me up for me to come in and do interviews. Yeah. I also don't have to edit anymore. So it was like mm. editing. My original goal with the podcast was to be flying around doing it, have someone to do the editing where I could just focus on interviewing and do it and like fly around to do it and go to different places and actually do it in person. And so yeah. I achieved that. I just didn't achieve that with my social life. I thought my social life was just going to crush it. And that was where I was going to go. But yeah. I achieved that just with creator now. But so it was like a lot of the boxes I was trying to get to with my social life. That was just like a fast track to ticking all those boxes. Mm. It's like in LA, in person, you don't edit, you just interview and record. And like, that was it. I was like with bigger guests, like I was like, it really just seemed like a good idea for me at the time. And it still does. And I still believe in what we're doing and what they're building. Um, and so when Zach offered that to me, I was like, yeah, that, that works for me. I didn't stop my show instantly. I did tell them that I would stop my show. That wasn't a condition though. Like they had no mm-hmm. expectation of me stopping my podcast, but I was yeah. like, you know what? I want this creator now show to go as good as it possibly can. And yeah. it's not going to be, if I'm doing two shows, two similar shows, mm, you know, and I never right. wanted to run into an instance where it's like, oh, I really want to reach out to this guy for my social life. I was like, well, we're probably going to interview him on creator now next month. So there's no point. I, I didn't want to have that be a conversation. So I'm going to focus my efforts on this creator now show. And so I did my show still like I ended my show in August. So we started talking in March. I went till August uh, just to get to 200. It was a nice gotcha. clean round number. I was able to end it in the way I really was happy with. So um, there's going to be one bonus episode coming out in the new year on my social life. But um, yeah, so it was a pretty easy like transition for me. Like I was kind of at the point too with my social life where I kind of felt like I was just spinning my tires. I was like, felt like I was in a similar spot to where it was a year and a half before and I wasn't making mm-hmm. a lot of progress. And so I was like kind of having that conversation of like, how long does it go? Like, do I just do an episode every week for forever? Like, yeah. and this was like probably the best way I could have ended it on 200 with one of my best friends who was my first guest, my hundredth guest and my 200th guest. Like mm. I was able to get him in person for the last one. I'm stepping into something new. I'm not just stopping it because I'm done. I'm stopping it because there's another opportunity. It's like, I couldn't have envisioned a better way to end it. So I just wrapped it up there. Mm. If, if you could go back to starting your podcast with what you know now, what would you tell yourself? That's an interesting question. Um, I don't know what I'd tell myself. I think like, I think part of it is like, I needed to spend more time working on the podcast and not in the podcast. Like the Mm, podcast didn't grow. The podcast didn't grow as big as it could because I was just so focused on a new episode every single week Mm. that I wasn't necessarily taking that step back to look at the greater strategy and where it was heading and how it was marketing and what I was doing. I invested 90% of that time into researching and editing the interview. Like, and I think because of that, it hurt the potential upside of the show because I got too focused on to being in the show and prepping and interviewing and editing that I wasn't as focused about like promoting and growing it. Right. Like I wanted the numbers to go up and I was just focused on, like, I kept hearing the advice of like, just like consistent hard work and, and you'll find the success. Like I never really did. Like the show was never massive. 
I had one interview pop off. I had a moment where things were going well and like looked like my YouTube was going to take off. And then I had an issue with monetization and my channel got suppressed. We can talk about that later if you want to, mm-hmm. uh, but like it never really popped off. And so I just wish I would have spent a little bit more time being intentional with what I was doing with the show. Yeah. Instead, I was just like, if I just keep Put doing this good, and grind. it's going to happen because that's what everyone says. But mm. there also needs to be intention on what direction I'm going in. And I don't think I did it in a bad direction, but I think there could have been more care into like the marketing and the growth of the show. Um, so that's probably one thing I would tell myself in the beginning, because like the, the social media clips was an afterthought. I would just be yeah. so tired every week after prepping for like eight hours, doing an interview for an hour and a half, editing for eight hours that I was like, let me just like cruise through these social clips as fast as I possibly can and just get them out there. Mm. Um, and by the end, like I turned the show into a relatively expedited process just so I could continue doing it every week. Um, but yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think a few things, you know, we, we live in that like hustle culture where it's like, just put your head down and do it a bunch of times. Mm -hmm. And then you realize like you never lifted your head up and then it's like, you realize all these different things. Um, but I think that word you said, like intentionality with it, um, with whatever space you're in, you know, whether mm. it's podcasting, whether it's writing, um, being intentional about what you put out there and not just putting your head down, you know? hundred percent. That's why I'm not on TikTok. Like I was doing TikTok and I was getting a little bit of traction. I had some videos starting to pop, like not pop, but like hundred thousand views here and there. Yeah. But I was like, I don't like this. Like I'm mm. literally just making videos to make sure I do a new video every day. Yeah. Like I had, I felt no connection to what I was making. And so I would put up a TikTok and then I'd be like, okay, good. Now I got to get the next one out there. Got to make the next one. Mm. And it was just like, that's not fun for me. Like I like to spend time with the project. Like I've made a David, I did a David Dobrik documentary a couple of years ago. That was like an hour and a half, like as a full 90 minute movie. Like I love that piece. Cause I spent like weeks, months making that researching it, structuring it, filming it, editing it, like designing the thumbnail. And like, I'd made a whole clothing collection that went along with it. Like I just enjoyed that. And like yeah. I had, TikTok, I enjoyed for vanity reasons because, oh, I'm getting all these views. Yeah. But like, I just felt no connection to what I was actually making. So I just stopped altogether. Mm-hmm. And like, maybe I'll come back and like, I'll maybe do it in a different way. But yeah, I just, I just enjoy spending time with what I'm making and trying to like the hamster wheel. I just don't enjoy. Mm. How did you, how did you learn to balance like that, you know, like the algorithm or views popping off? Versus like what really made you f- like feel whole inside or like whatever you want to call it, like fired up about what you do. Yeah. I don't even think I have figured that out yet. If I'm mm. being completely honest, um, that's another thing. Like my social life was not algorithmically optimized in any way, shape or form. Like I just, there was nothing there for the podcast on YouTube. That was like for the algorithm. Like I think I am almost an idealist when it comes to the art side, but I need to be more aware of the math side. Like, I think mm. that's a fault of mine is like, I am an idealist in terms of the art and the creativity, but like, I also understand that that's not all of it, yeah. you know? And so I think now like I'm working on like that YouTube channel where I post that David Dobrik documentary, it's the only video that I have up there. So I want to get back into that account. I might start making the occasional video here and there again. Um, just cause I'm trying to spend time, like learning about like really talented people to top their profession. Like right now I'm going deep into Freddie Mercury from queen and just really trying mm-hmm. to understand like who he was. And then when I do that now, I want to put something out that like distills what I've learned. You yeah. know what I mean? And so I think like, I still have to like figure out that balance between the algorithm and the art. It's something I'm still honestly figuring out myself. 
Mm. The algorithm versus the art. Mm. I've never heard that before. Is that something that, is that like a common saying or you just... I don't, I don't, may, it could be like, I think Colin and Samir, they don't have algorithm versus art. They have distributor versus something else. Um, mm. I don't know off the top of my head, maybe it's distributor versus artist. I could be wrong, but, um, but yeah. And the thing too, is like, you also don't want to swing too much in the way of the algorithm. Yeah. Like I'm a little worried that that's happened, like not worried, but I feel like that's what's happening now is everyone's just oh, trying I to know. create algorithmically optimized content and there's no art left. Mm. you know what i mean like there's too much of like what has worked for someone else let me do that what has worked for me let me just do that over and over and over and over and over again and and, but you also at the same time you can't just ignore the algorithm because like that's your that's how your content gets out there yeah right and so you have to respect both but i think if like people aren't respecting the art enough it's a lot i mean we're starting to see a shift like i'm starting to see some bigger youtubers and like hayden hillier smith who edits for logan paul talk more about the storytelling components Mm. which I'm, I think is great. Um, but it always comes and comes and goes, right? Like everyone was yeah. always focused on retention, but now we're starting to see people talk about viewer satisfaction and storytelling. It's like there's different cycles and different eras of content and media. And I think we're slowly starting to get out of the retention one. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. I think it's fascinating to see people, you know, doing the things for the algorithm and something I, I talked about a lot was, in like the first stages when I started the podcast, started posting content, I'm actually really grateful that nothing went viral because Mm. I knew if one of my things went viral, I would just try to recreate that same video. And it would have just put me down this rabbit hole of like, why am I not getting like, you know, this many views again? And I'd seen it happen to people around me who, um, who went viral, like say with their cooking channel or something like that. And, um, now I'm at the point where it's like, as you mentioned, you see a lot of people doing things for the algorithm and now everybody has a podcast, right? Um, but I know deep in my heart that it's going to fizzle out in a year or two because the people aren't like, they don't truly like love what they do and stuff like that. So I wouldn't be surprised if like, so podcasting is coming up right now, if it falls down soon, because people just aren't passionate about it. The problem is everybody wants to be known, but they don't stop and ask themselves what they want to be known for. Mm, say that again. Is that everybody wants to be known, but no one stops to ask themselves, what do I actually want to be known for? They just want to go viral. They don't care what they go viral for. And that mm. leads to that situation we were talking about where now nothing else you do works other than that one viral thing. You see it on TikTok all the time where someone's trying to make like marketing content, but they post one funny video, their friend like falling on ice. And now that's all everyone wants to see and their marketing content doesn't work. And they're yep. like, uh, and then like messes with their head that like they got all these followers, but now they're only getting like 20, like not getting enough views. And it's like, if you create the content you want to create and eventually content you want to create goes viral, that's the ticket. Right. And like that way too, when, if you're creating what you want to create and one of those pieces goes viral, now when someone lands on your page and they go through your catalog, there's a bunch of other content that they can consume. That's along the same lines. And what you're going to post next time is going to be along the same lines. So people are going to be interested in watching that. And mm-hmm. so I think that that's one thing I've noticed is some people just get caught up in wanting to go viral in the numbers, but then the numbers don't stand for what they want to stand for. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's just something I've noticed a lot is people are just obsessed with going viral and that's where the buck stops. And that's yeah. sad. I think it's interesting to see as well, these people who, you know, quote unquote, have it all right. Um, mm. And you just see that they're sad, depressed. Um, and I think it's something that with social media, 
in our society is just like posting all these pictures of like look how good my life is look at this 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 and it's like deep inside um you know well, for you're sure the, the facade you know yeah everyone on social media is the most pr version of themselves mm. right i think that i think gary v says that yeah. um but it's just everyone posting the highlight reel. I mean, we're starting to see more conversation. Like some people talk about posting the lowlights and you see that on occasion, but not enough. Like everyone just posts the highlights, right? Like my Instagram, I've totally shifted my Instagram. Like I don't care. Like my Instagram right now is literally how I describe it. It's just moments in time. I posted a photo dump every week and it's no, there's no, not often is there poses. Is there me trying to take a picture? I'm not even in most of the photos. Yeah. It's literally just a weekly photo dump of like, sometimes like not great pictures, but like, this is just what I did this week. These were the moments in time that I decided to capture. And that's what I'm going to post. And like, I'm going to enjoy looking back on that more than just a bunch of Instagram reels I don't care about. Yeah. So it's like, and I know that's not a growth strategy and I, and I understand that. And I don't really care if it grows, like it's more mm. so just for me um again which is part of like idealist thing of like me like if i want to build an audience i have to think of the audience obviously and i do but i yeah. just don't think of the algorithm as much but i mean like audience and algorithm can be interchangeable to a sense um but i lost my tangent there but yeah no i i feel it and i think just so that's something that's shifted for me too is just like making content that just like i love making um mm-hmm. something that i did over the past year or so um instead of journaling, I'd like read a poem, just like describing what was going on in my life. And mm. I just like, I didn't share it with anybody. I just had this long Google doc that was called like poem slash raps, haha. And I just like kept on typing on it. Um, but I know one day I'm going to put it out there just because it was like an art form for me and like to express myself and what I was going through, whether it sells like one copy or 10, it doesn't really matter. It was just that mm. I was able to express myself through whatever I was going through, th- through this form of art. Mm-hmm. That's another thing too. There's like, no one has a hobby that they don't try to turn into a business. Mm. Everyone has hobby, And like, I fall into this trap hundred percent. Like I am, this is not, this is like me being not, I'm not calling anyone out with this. This is just an observation of myself. Basically. So it's like, whenever I do start something, I figure how can I turn this into content or how can I turn this into a business or how can I turn this into something? Mm. But it's like, what do I do to unwind then? if I'm always on, you know? Yeah. And so that's something I think about a lot is it's like, what are those things I do that are just for me and aren't necessarily for anyone else? What are those things? If you don't mind me asking. I guess the gym, you can see the gym. I go to the gym every, I never post about going to the gym. Um, I used to post like the occasional story. Yeah. I post like an accountability check and it'd be like a story of me at the gym, but like, I don't post yeah. that I go to the gym, but I go to the gym every day for the most part. Um, watching soccer football proper football for me yeah. um i mean like i occasionally get hyped and i'll like retweet something on twitter but yeah. like that's it like i'm not trying to make content about pro, pro, like proper football um so there's probably the two things i play a lot of fifa probably play too much fifa for being honest like that's something i think i need to like just chill on but those are probably the things like I watch movies, but like I watch movies and I try to study them and like understand them. And then, cause I'm screenwriting stuff like that. So like, I always take it to a hundred when it's like, sometimes it's good to just like have those things I do just for me. So we're back. Technology sometimes it's like the best and worst thing ever. Oh dude. It's the most anxiety inducing thing when you're doing an interview. So I, I'm very empathetic to, <laughs> to that. Like it's, I used to use Zencaster record and that was just a disaster. Like yeah. There was times like, the call would just drop or like, and Zencaster's weird to record it locally. So it's like, they had to come back to the call to get it to upload. 
Mm. Like I had to put out an interview probably like in the last 20 episodes where like the girl just, her video just wouldn't upload and she just couldn't get it. So I just like, just an audio. Like, so yeah, technology, man, especially when doing like a, a podcast like this, it's, it's anxiety inducing. Yeah. I, I try to like have that mindset of like, whatever happens is like supposed to happen. But then sometimes when things like cut off and stuff in the moment, you're like, all right. Mm. But it's like, we, we read all these things. We study all these things that are like stoicism, like Marcus Aurelius, all this stuff. And then when it actually happens, you're like, oh shit, I got to rely on, you know, my trainings or whatever. Um, so that's something I try to like, look back on use when things like don't go my way. Mm-hmm. I hear you. I get that. Do you, what kind of content do you consume? Like book wise, are you reading anything or? So right now I'm like all into, so I'm trying to change how I consume stuff. Yeah. Cause like you can just get down rabbit holes and stuff of like weird, like I'm trying to be more intentional with what I consume. And so right now what my consumption habits look like, and this has only been for the last like week, cause you asked me this in like two weeks, it'll probably have changed again. Uh-huh. But like right now I'm trying to do is every morning for two hours, just get up and like study a topic or a person. Mm. And so I kind of let whatever book I'm reading or the intention is to let whatever book I'm reading dictate that. So I have a Kindle and I'm like a stock trader on Kindle. So like mm. I'm looking for when the books go down from $14 to $1.99 and yeah. I just buy them all then. So I have like 130 <laughs> books on my Kindle <laughs> because I've just bought so many for a toonie or for like two bucks. And so I just basically now, because there's so many that like trying to pick which of these 130 books to read is daunting. There's yeah. like six books per page. So I just, randomize a number between like one and whatever page how many pages of books i have and then i'll pick between those six books Mm. and so i just finished reading a book called freddie mercury in his own words um which basically compiled every interview he's ever done into like a more structured book Um, so i've just been going deep into freddie mercury and queen right now it's like every morning waking up from seven to nine just like studying learning trying to understand it's like watching documentaries reading books um, listening to their music and just like trying to get a full picture of who somebody is to like better understand instead of like just this random video here and then this random video there and that other video there. Like I'm trying to be a little bit more intentional about it. Mm. Um, and so right now it's just a lot of queen, a lot of Freddie Mercury interviews and stuff. Um, but it's cool, you know, and then I take a bunch of notes and like I said, I'm going to try and put something out around that. Yeah. Um, but that's what it is right now. But then I also like, I watch movies too. My girlfriend, and I watch movies and I try to find a way to connect the last movie to the next movie I'm going to watch. It's like, just like to give constraints to what I'm watching. Cause it's always like when you have no constraints, you're on Netflix scrolling for like 45 minutes arguing oh, yeah. about what to watch. Yeah, and yeah. So for me now it's like, there has to be an actor, the director, the writer, or the cinematographer has to be the same in the next movie or it has mm. to be like a sequel. And so like, it's fun, right? It like gives you a constraint to play with and like, it has to be some of these specific movies. Um, and so I do that when I watch a movie with, with my mm. girlfriend every week. How do you, so I know we touched on it before. Like, how do you separate that stuff and like turn your mind off? Like, what do you do to turn your mind off? So you're not like, when you're watching a movie, you're not thinking like, okay, how can I turn this into a video that I can post on it? Or mm. like, how do you shut that off and unwind? A movie, I'm pretty good at shutting it off. Like, I'm pretty good. Like, there's so many people who will watch a movie and they'll pick up on all these themes and stuff. And I literally yeah. am just the dumbest person when a movie comes on. Like, I, I feel don't that put too. Some people will watch pieces. a movie and they're like saying all these things. No idea. Yeah. Or my girlfriend be like, oh, that was so obvious. And I was like, I was literally not paying. Like, I, <laughs> it wasn't obvious to me. So um, I'm pretty good at shutting it off during, uh, during movie watching and stuff. 
Uh, I'm trying to get better, like shutting it all off and just like taking two hours from five to seven just to spend time with my girlfriend, you know, cause like putting the phone away, just eating dinner. Maybe we'll watch a show together or something, but like trying to do that. Um, soccer, proper football. I just don't feel like I would know enough to produce content about it anyways. And so like, that's yeah. not something I'd want to, I, just, I want that to just be the thing I do when I'm like every Saturday morning at from 10 to 12, yeah. like I just watch Leeds United. Um, but yeah. And then trying to do some journaling stuff too, you know, take that step back, try and do that every day. I have a bunch of journal prompts I've collected. Um, so every mm. day is a different journal prompt asking me different questions, gets me to think a little differently. Um, but yeah, shutting it off. Like, I think right now I'm struggling to like shut it off, but also to shut it on. Cause like turn it on. Cause like now without the podcast, I'm just trying to figure out what else am I supposed to do in my spare time? And I'm kind of just figuring that out. Right. Like I do create an app stuff. Like oftentimes, sometimes create an app will be during the evening, but when I have no interviews coming up and nothing to prep for, I'm just kind of like, I don't know what to do with this time. And I'm still kind of figuring out exactly where to put the focus. Yeah. That's like, um, like Tim Ferriss four hour work week. And then it's like, mm -hmm. so you boil it down to like what you want to do and stuff. And now you're like, am I supposed to have like this extra time, like to do yeah. whatever I want? But I mean, like, I do like all different types of like creativity. So now I'm trying to give like seven to 10 PM is my just like creating time. Mm. I just have to create something like, whether that be like, I like to write movie scripts. So like, whether it's that, um, but even that, like I used, I was writing like I told, I was supposed to, I started writing a couple years ago and was like just a page a day, whatever. Yeah. And then it became three pages a day and then it became maximum 90 minutes. And then recently it was like, I have to do 10 pages a day, every day. I have to be turning out a movie script every two weeks. And I was just like, whoa. Like, I, I think if I do, if I go too all in it, like it becomes not fun. So I'm trying mm -hmm. to just like not take it too seriously, keep it fun. And so it's just three hours to create whatever I want. So yesterday I wrote for like an hour 15, I did five pages. And then I just was like, I want, I was kind of like needing a break from writing. So I was like, let me do something else. And then I was like, let me just write a bunch of tweets. And so I just scheduled tweets for like a month, mm -hmm. just like different ideas. And then like, maybe when I I'll write an essay instead, I'll, I'll stop writing a movie script and work on an essay, or then I'll start designing something. Just like creating every day, just yeah. being creative. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't know how I got here, but I, I tend yeah. to do that. But yeah. I think, um, as someone like creating things, it is good to try and do different things too. I find mm. myself in a rut of like, even with the way I do podcasts and stuff, not necessarily the interview type style, but like the way I edit it or the way I, you know, read books or write poems and stuff. I try to do something different to like learn something mm. new because mm -hmm. I, I do feel sometimes like when I'm reading different things that I'm not learning anything new. So am I really like using my brain to the full capacity, you know, like making sure that I'm like, maybe one day I need to learn how to dance. You know, that's one thing that's been on my bucket list. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's good to have those things to keep the brain like working, but also just for yourself. Totally. And I think I'm also like, I'm in this weird, like dichotomy of like, I think the schedule for the podcast was great and it kept me accountable and I was pumping content out all the time, but also like, then I just was like, I'd be onto a very much like a to-do list checklist mentality of like, I just have to get this done to get this done to get this done to get this done to get, this done, mm. to get the episode out. Like yeah. now I don't have that. So it's just like create however you want to create and spend the time with whatever you're creating and don't let it just be this thing. I just have to get done. So I have to crush this and cruise through it as fast as I can just to get it done. Like just spend time with what it is you're creating. To me, it's like, I'm trying to optimize my life for quality time with whatever it is I'm doing, right? Like 
when I'm working, I'm doing quality work. I'm all in on my work. I'm focused on my work. But then mm-hmm. when five o'clock hits and I'm spending time with my girlfriend, I'm all in on spending time with my girlfriend. We're having quality time together. I'm not doing seven things. That's not quality. It's like actually being present in that moment and just spending time with whoever you're with or whatever you're doing. I think that's what I'm trying to get better at. Mm. Yeah. I think like, I think about the saying, like, be where your feet are a lot. Mm, like and that's that. like the hardest thing to do sometimes. And especially with our phones and everything, um, it's so easy to to fill our time where we're supposed to do nothing with like, all right, I'm going to check Instagram. All right, I'm going to check mm-hmm. TikTok. Um, and I recently saw this graph that talked about like, all right, you do something, there's like a spike and then it comes back down and then you rest. You do something, comes back down, rest. But now it's like for us, it's we do something, we come back down, we scroll. We do something, we come back down, we're on this other app. We mm-hmm. never really have time to sit with ourselves. And then you think about that quote, like man's deepest fear is like being alone with it, his own thoughts. Um, yeah. It's it's fascinating. My, I mean, my journal prompt yesterday, similar, my journal prompt yesterday, I want to get it right, was what is your favorite way to deal with boredom? What are three better ways to deal with it? Mm. Was the journal prompt yesterday. And, yesterday. and so for me, it was like, the number one way I deal with boredom, like obviously the phone, but like for me, I throw FIFA. Like whenever I have a lull, I'm like, I'll just play a game of FIFA and then it becomes two games and then it becomes like all this other stuff. That's just like, that's what I do right now. And it's very much like a dopamine hit of like, I'm winning these games, like whatever. Yeah. But I was like, the other ways I can deal with boredom. And I was like, the number one way I put it was like, just be bored. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think we spend enough time being bored anymore. And you know, you hear everyone say, I get my best ideas when I'm driving or I get my best ideas when I'm in the shower. Because like, those are the times you, you are bored. Yeah. Because not that you get your best ideas when you're driving or when you're in the shower. You get your best ideas when you're bored and you're not actively like, you can just be passive and yeah. let your mind wander. And like, we don't allow any breathing room for that time at all. You know, like I can't dry, ride the elevator for 17 seconds without pulling my phone out. You know what I mean? Like, and that's everybody, not just young people, old people too. Like, you know, I was like at the dinner with my family and the two people were on their phone. I was like, what is going on? Like, this is just bizarre. And so like, just be bored and like, let yourself be bored. That's going to be an uncomfortable feeling for everybody, which mm. is why we defaulted picking up our phone. Cause it's less uncomfortable. Yeah. But like, that's where you have your best ideas. Like I was watching my cousin last week, which is why I went back home. My family was in Vegas and I, uh, I had to drive into school, drop, drop them off, pick them up. Yeah. And I felt when I was like driving, when he, when I dropped him off and I had to drive back to the house, it was like a 15 minute drive. Like I would just like start having ideas. Like yeah. the, I want to write this essay about like, I keep bringing it back to Freddie Mercury just because that's literally all I've consumed for the last two weeks. But like, mm-hmm. I realized like, cause I was like, I need to put something out. And I was like, what if I write an article about the fact that like Queen had like, if you look at like, they have like a seven record run where every single record has like a classic song that still gets listened to today. Like we're talking like 1.5 billion streams on Spotify. Yeah classic classics for like seven albums in a row and i was like how did they do yeah. that and i was like, actually went down that rabbit hole and i was just like i came up with the idea for this essay this thesis i want to write about and so it's just like giving myself more time to be bored and mm. not being afraid of that and just settling into being bored um i think it was one of the ways i also talked i think the other one was like going for more walks that's just better yeah. and like not listening to music or podcasts and just that's another way i could be bored as well just let my mind wander when i do that and then i came up with the third one was um, oh, it was call people and talk to people, mm. you know? Cause I was like, there's no good time to talk to anybody on the phone. I was like, but apparently there's a good time to play an hour and a half of FIFA every day. Like, you know right. what I mean? So it's just like, those are my three productive ways, but it comes back to what you were talking about. It's just like 
being bored and being okay with being bored is like something I'm, tr- I want to, to get better. That's just a very hard thing to, to do. Yeah. Um, I love that concept and it's like the power of doing nothing. Um, over the summer I went on just a ton of walks in the, in the mm-hmm. Metro parks and I leave my phone in the car and literally it's wild. Like I ran into this older gentleman. We started talking one day. He comes at the same time every day. And we sat down and we we're talking and I was going like my mom had just gotten sick and I was like going through that process. And his wife passed away like a couple years ago. Um, but she was he went through the process of her being diagnosed with like cancer and stuff. And it was like because I went for those walks without my phone and like I connected mm. with this guy, he was able to like offer me advice and like I'd sit with him and ask him questions from someone who was in like a similar position as me. And so I think about that a lot and how, you know, if I didn't go on those walks to do nothing or whatever, how I would have missed out on that experience and like learning from him, which has really helped me a lot. I'm sorry to hear your mom got sick, man. It's a, I'm I'm working through it. So I appreciate you though. Um, It's something that's also like shifted my perspective a lot on the things that I do. And I feel like a part of me, it's, it's funny. Like when I was younger, when I'd be playing FIFA or something like that, my mom, she always worked from home because my brother and I were her life. Um, she would, she did HR and she'd interview people for their companies. And it was never like, are like, yeah, are you a good fit for this job? But she wanted to know like the deep stuff, like, all right, what are your dreams? Like if you had a mm-hmm. dream job, like what would it be? And I realized like reflecting on my own life, like that subconscious like imprint of like my mom's questioning while I was playing video games or whatever in the background is like what I'm doing now. And it's kind of wild to see how it it plays through the generations. That's cool. Yeah. Um, a question we always ask and take a few beats before you um, you answer this. If you could text yourself five years in the past, what would you say and why? And then if you could text yourself five years in the future, what would that be and why? Five years in the past. How about 20? I think it'd be take a deep breath five years ago. Take a deep breath. You know, like it's going to be, I have, I started going great at like 21. I just have a really good ability of like stressing myself out. Mm. Nice. I, I don't know if that's why, but like no one in my family went great that young. So like, I still, I get more and more grades every day. Like I just have a very, like I, I'm making myself like catastrophize and spiraling. Like I'm very good at stressing myself out. And I think that like just telling myself to take a deep breath would be a, a good, a good idea. Um, five years in the future, I'll be 30. That's crazy. Sometimes so young. I, I, sometimes I still feel like I'm 19 though. And I forget that I'm not you know <laughs> i'm like oh damn i'm like 25 now like i'm not 19 anymore but i still feel like i am sometimes yeah um i also think covid had like a weird way of messing with my perception of time you know yep. um granted i wasn't 19 when covid hit but i was like 22 but um five years in the future i don't know like because the problem with, I, i'm trying to stray away from this question of like am i on the right path because i feel like that's such the easy question to ask Am mm. I on the right path? Um, hmm. I don't know. That's an interesting, like, 
if I could ask a follow-up, it'd be, are you happy? And then why or why not? Mm. And then make sure I'm, if it's why not, if it's no, then I'm asking why not to correct that before I get there. Mm. So do you think in five years from now, you'd be some doing something that would make you not happy? I hope not. I don't Mm -hmm. think so. Um, I think because I'm aware of that, I'll be able to like, hopefully make decisions that map to that. Mm -hmm. Um, But you never know. True. I love uh, asking that question because then it's like documentation of like, you know, what you were thinking at a certain time. I'm sure you relate as well, like having a podcast, being able to like look back at like an interview I did three years ago versus now it's like, oh my gosh, I've learned so much. Or like, mm-hmm. why did I say it? You know, like you see your growth through it. Um, yeah. Cool. I rarely watch my old interviews though. Very rarely. Sometimes I get nostalgic. I'll like throw on like a minute of one, but like I'm trying to do that more now, not go back and watch the old ones, but watch like, cause I used to like edit it and be like, I don't want to look at this for at least a yeah, year. Yeah. But like now that I don't have to, it's like rewatching the interviews I've done and just like shredding it and figuring out what I did well, why I did wrong take away like all this stuff like to just Mm -hmm. continually improve yeah i think it's even with so much that we do in our lives there's not an opportunity to look in the mirror and see our own growth you know Mm. you know you see your buddy who you haven't seen for six months and he goes to the gym for six months you know he looks swole right but it's like you go to the gym for six months you have that steady consistent progress but it's like you don't really see the day one to six months. And I think that's the coolest thing with podcasts is you, you're able to see like how old you were, what you were thinking at that time, and then elaborating on these, these different topics. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I try to document as much as I can. Like I, I try to do a vlog, but like, I'm so behind because I have like 25 vlogs to edit. Cause I just got a, a routine of filming them and not editing them. Um, just gonna be cool to like, look back on, like I would pay a significant amount of money to watch like a vlog of my grandfather. Like if when Mm. he was my age, you know what I mean? Like I would pay so much money to see that. And so like, I try to think of that long-term, like, well, my kids, my grandkids, they'll probably want to see what I thought and what I was doing. Yep. And it's a little different now because everyone is posting stuff and like, that's going to be more widely accessible. And part of the appeal of watching my, seeing something my granddad did is because there's nothing, Yeah, you know? So, I mean, the relationship with what it'll be like to watch your granddad at 21 will be different in 45 years. True. But I still think it's something I think, and I like to look back on. I'm my biggest, my vlog has 12 views like per video, pretty much. I'm 10 of them. So like, I just like it for me. Like when I was working with the hockey team and we were in the playoffs, I made a video for every single round. Mm -hmm. So I like, I go back and I just smile like an idiot because I'm watching those back. Like, that's really what I do those for. Um, but yeah, it's just trying to document the journey just so you can look back on it. Yeah. I same. Um, if I could see like my grandparents, you know, they they immigrated from a small village in Serbia, was Yugoslavia. Mm. And if I could like if they vlogged like their life and like coming over to the States, not knowing any English, you know, mm-hmm. I would yeah, I would pay a lot of money to see that. Or even like I just wish. I just wish, so you're talking about sending a text to myself five years ago. If I could send a text to myself 10 years ago, I'd be 15 and my text would be, yo, start vlogging. Mm. Because I want to see, like, I, I'm like, I talked about being so nostalgic about high school. I don't have a lot of stuff that I can go back and like 
see those experiences. And so it's like, if I had a vlog of like different things from my high school, like that would be amazing. And I just don't have that. Yeah. And so it's like memories and things like that, like that, that stick with you. Or like if I had some vlog from high school, that would be sweet. Yeah. I think going off of that, like offering the space and time to like reflect on those experiences, you know, mm. cause I feel like, I feel as if we forget a ton of things and something I always try to, to preach is like, yeah, wisdom does come with age, but wisdom also comes with like time and reflection. You know, mm. I think once you get older, you have more time to reflect. And that's why there's like the saying, like old people are wiser, but I think it's just because your life slows down when you're older. So mm-hmm. if I'm able to like slow my life down and look back on my childhood experiences and like write about that, um, I think that's how you, how you do that. I tend to do a lot when I like, whenever I call somebody from like mm-hmm. growing up, like we, that's all we do is we just reflect and like, look back and reminisce and all this stuff. And like, it's awesome. People always ask me like, yo, would you go back? Like, would you live there again? And it's like, <laughs> absolutely not. I would never live there again. Unless I could go back to that time with those people. I'm never going back. Mm. You know what I mean? It should be it's complete. I go back. Cause my dad still lives there. It's like, I'll visit him every couple of years. And like, that's really it. Like that, that's yeah. the extent, but I'll never live there again. Mm. Jacob, I want to take this moment to show some gratitude and just appreciation for you being you authentically and uh, sharing your story. I appreciate that, man. Thank you for giving me a platform to do so. Absolutely. And if there was one thing, something on your heart that you could leave a listener with, what would that be? It's interesting. I'm trying to think of what I'm thinking a lot about lately. And I think for me is it's like, I kind of bring it back to quality time. That's been on my mind a lot lately is like, are you spending quality time in everything that you do? And I think for me, what that means is, is like, one, you want to be spending quality time. I've been thinking a lot about quality time with my family. Cause like, especially now that I don't live in Ottawa where most, like my dad lives in Manitoba, my the rest of my family's in Ottawa. It's like my mom's there, my aunt's there, my grandparents are there. Yeah. Um, I de- and then, I mean, I have other family elsewhere, but like the people I grew up with are all there. And it's like, now that I'm not living there, I'm seeing them less and less and less. Mm. And so it's like making sure that when I'm with them, I'm present at the moment and I'm spending quality time with the people, but also when I'm doing the work, spend quality time doing the work. Like yeah. with my podcast, as I got nearer and nearer to the end, I felt like the quality of my work was decreasing because I was like, I just need to keep this going. I just got to yeah. get this, you know? And so it's spending quality time in the work you do, spending quality time with the people you do. And part of that is that you can't do everything and spend quality time on it. So it's also a form of like a filter that if you don't want to actually spend the time, the proper time on this, then why are you spending time on it at all? Mm. And so just asking yourself, where do you want to be spending your quality time? Because you should be spending as much quality time in all aspects of your life as you can. Absolutely. I love it. Um, where can people find you on social media? I'll definitely link all your stuff. Is, is it just Jacob? Jacob I, I, Kelly, I, I, I couldn't get J- Jacob Kelly. I had to be the Jacob Kelly. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, that Jacob Kelly, Twitter and Instagram, um, right now, those are really like the only places I post at the moment. And again, like Twitter, I'm trying now that I know that I can just spend an hour and a half and schedule a month's worth of tweets. Yeah. That's not a bad idea. I think I might do like, that too. Yeah. Just use tweet deck. It's free. It's a part of Twitter. That's what I'm using tweet deck. Um, but so Twitter, if you want to see me just kind of like pontificate on just basically like whenever I watch something, I take notes and then at the end of the month, I'll go back, I'll look at all my notes and I'll turn all those notes and apply them to the creator world is kind of what I'm thinking I'm going to do. So like I'm going deep on all this 
Queen and Freddie Mercury stuff, but like, what did he say about being an artist in 1977 that applies to creators today? And like, that's kind of the, how I come up with all my, came up on my tweets yesterday, at least. Um, so Twitter, Instagram, if you like me and just want to see what I'm up to again, like Instagram is literally right now, just moments in time, like right. just, which I tried it. Cause I try not to be like the most PR version of myself. Like, you know, like I was just trying to be what I was doing and not trying to be perfect about it. Mm. Um, but yeah, the Jacob Kelly across socials, if you want to find me, that's where I'll be. Uh, but no, before you do any of that to make sure you subscribe right here to this podcast. Mm. I appreciate you. Um, it's been awesome connecting Jacob. I know we'll, we'll stay in touch and connect over Absolutely. the future. Um, I really appreciate your just authenticity though. Um, and I'm excited to see all that you do coming up. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. And if you're still listening to this podcast, I appreciate you. I love you. And uh, I'll see you on the next one. Peace. Beauty.